Lessons from COVID-19. Matthew 27, 42 to 43. He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The human race has a great problem that can be traced over thousands of years of civilization. I refer to that aspiration to displace the living and true God from his rightful place as sovereign Lord and take over from him. This aspiration was there with Adam's disobedience in paradise when he ate of the forbidden fruit in defiance of God's revealed will. Genesis 3, 6. It was there in the defense, defiance at the Tower of Babel when God's judgment at Noah's flood was not laid to heart. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Genesis eleven four. This aspiration is also there at the cross when men ridiculed God the Son incarnate, saying, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. COVID-19 has exposed man's limited knowledge. This cry concerning the Saviour came from learned men, humanly speaking, but it was the voice of ignorance, spiritually speaking. I think you can see the problem. Man wants to be his own God. He will set the terms for his conduct. He will make a name for himself. He will set the terms of recognising any divine king. In all of this opposition to the Saviour, men, women and children are in denial, as we see. And the COVID-19 virus has exposed this. We teach our children that man's knowledge is experimental. We mean by this that knowledge increases as a result of our interaction with one another, our environment and our personal reflection. We learn by our mistakes. Learning based on the scientific method involves much trial and error. No scientist expects instant vaccines. It takes months, if not years of research, laboratory experiments and trials to develop safe and effective vaccines for new diseases. Governments, medics and scientists might be expected to be omniscient and get things right first time. But that is not the reality. It's all a political game. We know that man's knowledge is limited and partial. We do not share God's omniscience, a word the theologians use for God's totally comprehensive knowledge. COVID-19 has set the record straight by exposing man's limited knowledge. We would like to have the vaccine now off the shelf, but we have no 
off-the-shelf solution. Creatures are not endowed with the Creator's omniscience. And COVID-19 has taught uh, as that by catching us out unprepared. COVID-19 has exposed man's limited power. We are already engaged again in damage limitation measures imposed by our government. These measures, such as limiting social contact to six, illustrate how weak we are when it comes to saving lives. I say this not to complain about our government. The members of our government must do what they can to save lives, and I am glad not to be in their shoes deciding what to do. They will answer to God at the judgment for their policies, as will every supporter or critic. The Christian must obey the powers that be, and in so doing his or her conscience is not entangled in the pros and cons. Romans 13, 1-5 MPs, news editors and political activists must answer for supporting or criticising the policies. It is enough for Christian conscience to cheerfully obey as unto the Lord as long as there is no intended suppression of truth and God's worship. If the reason is saving lives, it is no more reprehensible than a sea captain announcing abandoned ship if considered necessary. Even though the captain is conducting morning the chaplain is conducting morning prayers at the time. The captain must do what he can to save lives, and the chaplain must support his genuine endeavours with a clear conscience. The captain may have got it wrong. No man is all-knowing in the information at his disposal, or infallible in his judgments. We can expect mistakes, but can it approve careless mistakes? COVID-19 has exposed man's limited salvation. The common wisdom, better safe than sorry, is not a bad rule and witnesses to the limits of human wisdom and power. Jesus Christ, even in the days of his flesh, was above such human limitations. Our crowds are now limited to six. The Saviour could safely gather a crowd of at least 6,000. At the miracle known as the feeding of the 5,000, Matthew tells us, and they that had eaten were about 5,000 men, beside women and children, Matthew fourteen twenty one. The Lord Jesus Christ could not only keep large crowds safe from disease, but could heal those who were diseased. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick, Matthew fourteen fourteen. I have no intimate knowledge of our Prime Minister's heart, but I know he has cause to reflect upon the ultimate source of healing. With the best NHS attention, many have died of COVID-19. He did not. Food for thought, surely, concerning a higher hand than the atheist's chance. Through the COVID-19 mists, a still small voice, 1 Kings 19.12, is calling to the nations, 
The message from God in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. Isaiah 45, 22 On the positive side, COVID-19 has some great positives for the reorientation of our thinking. That it can steal away lives globally, despite all of man's achievements scientifically and medically, is surely cause for humility, dependence, repentance of sin, faith in the crucified Saviour, and prayer. In 2020, towards the close of my ministry, I marvel to see this global teaching taking place concerning the limits of man's knowledge and power. But how many are listening? Some might say, but Christians have died as well as others. I answer yes. But have you not read that Jesus Christ has said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me, shall never die. Believest thou this? John eleven twenty five to 26. Meditation 24. Lessons from the Lake District. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion. Psalm 48, 1. On my day off, we went to the Lake District National Park, known as the Lakes. We had no idea where to visit, as one cannot be too ambitious on a day trip. We soon settled for Tarn House near Hawk's Head. It was a different view to my first visit. The picture I painted as a young man was still there, trees, sun, water, and mountains, but the latter were more hidden. The trees? The older trees have grown so much taller, but that is to be expected in 50 years. Trees are so important to the biosphere and consequently human life. It was so in the beginning, for more than a biological reason. The tree of life bore witness to enduring spiritual life. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil bore witness to the importance of holiness, obedience, and faithfulness in order to true joy, peace, and fruitful service. Genesis 3 records the sad tale of how Adam and Eve sinned by eating of the forbidden fruit, thus bringing themselves and their posterity under judgment the curse of the broken law, and death. Their sinfulness resulted in being shut out of paradise. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Genesis 3.24 It was a dark day. The sun. Thankfully, It was not a dark day for our outing. I had been watching the weather forecast for the northwest, and it was sun for Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, 
As the forecast, so it was. The sun was shining. What a difference it makes. So it is with Christ crucified. He suffered and died upon Calvary's cross, as it is written. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. Galatians 3.13 Through faith in the crucified Saviour, we emerge out of the darkness of guilt, corruption and death into the glorious light of God's salvation. Malachi 4.2 is to the point. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the store. When the Lord Jesus was dying on the cross, from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. Matthew twenty-seven forty-five. In his substitutionary atonement, the Saviour endured the darkness of the cross in order that penitent sinners might have the light of life through faith in him, our spiritual son. Then the scene changes, and all is white and bright, like my winter visit to Tarn House, under two feet of snow, sparkling in the sun. It is a reminder of Daniel 12.3. They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars for ever and ever. The water. There's water and water. Some water is filthy and some sparkles in pristine beauty. The water of life comes into this latter category. The Apostle John writes, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Revelation 22, 1. This is the spiritual thirst quencher and is life-sustaining. Remember John seven thirty-seven to 39 In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Note what follows. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. The mountains. I own up. It is chiefly the mountains that draw me to the lake district. Trees, sun and water can be seen elsewhere. But in the lakes you see them in the context of mountains. The mountains speak of permanence, strength, elevation, and consequently, nearness to God. Psalm 48 begins, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion, on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. God is known in her palaces for a refuge. Psalm 48, 1, 2, 3. Despite reduced time, social distancing, masks and other limitations regarding corporate worship, let us not lose the sense of being in the mountain of God's holiness. 
that we might be wonderfully refreshed in his presence. Amen.